I think the best thing that you can do the first time you screw something up at kind of as a solo or, or whatever, when you're just trying something new is to say, how can I learn from this? You are more than a lawyer. You are a powerhouse. Welcome to Powerhouse Lawyers. I'm your host, Erin Gurner, a former lawyer, wife, mom, entrepreneur, and coach. And I'm here to show you what's possible. So if you're ready, let's go. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's Erin, Powerhouses. I'm so excited you are here. Oh my gosh, I hope everyone is having a fabulous week. I hope wherever you are listening to this, whether it's in the car, in the shower, in your living room, that you are just, that you're having a great week and that you are feeling gratitude for everything that you have in your life. So what's been going on in Aaron's world? Well, at the time of this recording, I just got back from my second sold out Powerhouse Lawyers retreat. Oh, I wish I could actually fully like describe and I feel like I've got a decent vocabulary and I like to talk, but I feel like I can never adequately find the words to describe the magic that happens there. It's like, it's just magic. Honestly, it's lightning in a bottle when you get all of these next level female attorneys that are in there together and they are, you know, solving the problems for each other, the things that are coming up in their lives. And, you know, these women leave and they express to me this level of gratitude for providing this space and, you know, making this happen. And in truth be told, I created this space because I, I wanted and needed something just like it. I really did. Like, I was like, I don't, have these kind of female friends and influences in my life and I and I want it. And so I'm going to create it. And the space has just been life changing, but also life giving to me. And it really rolls in and segues into the guests that we're going to have and we're going to hear from in a little bit about really taking stock occasionally in your life and career to get still to decide what you really want? What is is something that's happening in your life, a job, a situation, a a committee, a relationship or whatever is like, do you feel like something's not working? Do you feel like it's aligned? When is the last time you've stopped and been like, is what I'm doing, what I really want to be doing? And is what I'm in also in that same light, like is currently what I'm doing, what do I want to how do I want to grow what I'm doing? How do I want to carry it forward? If you're working on a project or whatever, and I'll just use this for my personal self, powerhouse lawyers. I have so many, so many ideas and just bursting at the seams for how I want to grow this company. But I have to also really take stock about what do I want in this season of my life? Like how do, how do I want to grow and scale this company? And that is what I really took away from the retreat and just giving me the peace to be able to know that like, I can pivot. I've got women to depend on. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay. If things look different, it's okay to rearrange things. It's okay to stop and start. It's okay to change your mind. Um, All of those kind of things. It just gave me this weekend gave me so much piece about that because as high achievers and someone who just thinks that, you know, we're gold, we're all guard 
someone who doesn't think, but we are gold star chasers. We can't help it. And we think that every single thing that we have to do has to be this like crazy home run and all this kind of stuff. And it's really the happiness and the joy that you get from waking up every day is doing what you love in the space that you want to do it and how you want to do it and being okay with that, that maybe it looks different from what you thought it was going to look like or what everybody else thinks that it should. So that's really what I took away from the retreat this weekend. And I'm so excited for you to hear from our guests um, and how she describes her journey and how she is in a pivot right now. And I just think that it's so important for us as females, as lawyers, as moms, as high achievers to know that this life is full of ebbs and flows and it's okay for things to look like, to look different in different seasons and know that things are temporary and still be able to set yourself up to win and move towards your goals and kick butt every day. So I'm excited for you guys to hear from our guests. Cheers. Hello, powerhouse lawyers. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to introduce my next guest. I absolutely adore this fellow Southern Belle. She's got a beautiful Southern accent and we just love to listen to her. And she's also an AI tech genius and helps legally tech or legally challenged attorneys like transform their business. So I'm so excited that she's on the show today. But just a little bit about Susie before we get started. So Susie Hickson is an accomplished trademark attorney, and she's got over 20 years of experience. She's managed IP portfolios for Fortune 500 companies, all the way to startups alike. So she has got a vast experience. Um, She manages a boutique law practice of her own, and she focuses on trademark clearance, prosecution, and enforcement. She also loves, like I said, helping tech-challenged attorneys embrace the um, AI-driven legal technology and everything that's going on in the market today. And her expertise and her superpower of bridging law and technology makes her an indispensable resource for attorneys because it helps them excel in today's landscape. And she's also an innovative thinker. She uses her entrepreneurial spirit, her STEM background, and all of these things to help lawyers find creative solutions to their problems. So Susie, welcome to the show. Wow. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. You have no idea how happy I'm, I am to be here and to get to hang out with you and kind of reconnect because I know that I took a little time off this summer um, to, to work on, you know, just some personal things and spend time with my family and get some sunshine, which is like the most important thing in the world. So (laughs) I'm on this like, like kind of health kick when it comes to spending more time outside. Like that's my big thing right now. I think it's so important for us to like touch grass. Um, So it's, I've been kind of a a little disconnected, I feel like over the summer, but I'm really, really happy to see you. And I'm so happy to be here and hang out with you. Yes. (laughs) It is so incredible how we need to use all of our senses, all of our five senses, and we need to go out and like smell, touch, feel the sunshine, the grass, the nature. And it really does help unlock a layer of creativity and calmness in your mind to allow you to be able to think. So I'm with you. Like I will, I mean, seriously, in full vulnerability, I will like walk outside barefoot in my grass and just like walk around in between meetings or like phone calls just to like, 
you know, clear my brain and just to like get out of the monotony of what we do. So bravo to you for like taking a beat. And I know I actually want to talk about this later in the episode, but I would love for you to actually start us off and kind of give us a little bit of history and background about Susie, who she is, why she went to law school and how you've come full circle now um, with your own firm and helping attorneys with AI. Gosh. Okay. Yeah. So I, this is 2023. <laughs> I graduated from law school in 2020, 20, 2003. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't even remember. Oh my gosh. Okay. I guess part of it is it blows my mind that I've been out of law school for 20 years, right? So same, Susie, same. Like I find myself being like, oh, I graduated in 2012. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm like, never mind. I was 05. Never mind. What am I talking about? Mean, no, a few more years, it's right? Terrible. <laughs> yeah. And lawyers don't math. So um, why, it's why I didn't go, that's why I didn't go to med school, right? Like I just wasn't mathing. And clearly I can't figure up 2003 to 2023 20, is 20 years. Yeah. So it goes by really fast, you know? Um, but yeah, so I graduated in 2003. I started out um, as a patent agent or actually a patent attorney, but um, I passed the patent bar before I passed the, um, the Kentucky bar. So I basically was prosecuting patent applications and I'm a, I have a science background. So I was able to take the patent bar and I was working my, like my first year and a half out of law school doing, um, you know, applications for inventions and primarily in the areas of, um, this is so boring, but lighting fixtures, you know, like on medicine bottles, you know, like, um, when you do a medicine bottle, like there's like those little ridges, like though a lot of um, businesses and companies will protect kind of that functionality for like helping, you know, older people be able to open a bottle or a medicine bottle, but preventing kids from being able to do it. Like there's all these, you know, believe it or not, there's like a lot of like kind of, you know, engineering that goes into that. It's very bizarre. And I also worked on, and this is such a, this is such a Kentucky thing, but it's not as prevalent anymore, but I also worked on um, cigarette uh, filters ah. and um, ways to roll cigarettes. And at that point, I was doing a lot of work for a company called National Tobacco. And they they actually got bought around 2005, I want to say about RJ Reynolds. But this was so long ago that in the building that I first worked for, Aaron, or the, the firm that I first worked for, the building that it was in, allowed smoking. And I have a good friend who worked for RJ Reynolds in Winston-Salem. And they literally like... <laughs> Only a couple years ago, stopped smoking in the office. Legit, it's <laughs> like very was, recently. I, in fact, <laughs> isn't it crazy? Wild, isn't it? Like it's wild. Yeah, and, and it's so funny because I remember in about it was like 2005 or so. I went to California. I was visiting some girlfriends in San Francisco, and I remember going into a restaurant and they asked me, you know, or we were getting ready to get our seeing. I was like, a non-smoking section, please. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And, the, and my, my girlfriends were like, oh, she's from Kentucky. And I'm like, yeah, everything like is at least five to 10 years behind there. I mean, it's it's different now. Like everything's more to leave it like an even playing field, I feel like with internet and stuff. But yeah, you know, we moved slower. Yeah, tobacco had been a, traditionally a big part of, um, you know, the economy here. And so, yeah, so that's how I like kind of a roundabout way of like, you know, saying, yeah, I did that kind of work. And I look back, you know, I'm like, oh, 
it feels a little icky, you know, to have been working on something like that. But, you know, I had law school loans and, you know, I had to pay the bills and at that point. I wasn't even like, you know, I wasn't. Well, and push comes to shove, you're learning your trade, right? Like you have to right. learn how to do the, you have to learn how to practice yeah. your kind of law and, you yeah. know, maybe that wasn't sexy or like super appealing or like sounds really oh, awesome, yeah. but you know, <laughs> like just because it's not sexy doesn't mean that you didn't learn something. Well, yeah. And I think you make a really a point that, you know, as a young associate, you don't necessarily like we can talk a good game now as older lawyers. We're like, well, I would say no to that. And I would set a boundary here. But when you're a young associate, you know, you know, you take the work that comes comes through and it's it is more difficult to to turn that down, especially like when you're like you said, like when you're learning, you're just really trying to learn your craft. So. So how did you transition? How did you transition from that work? Were you in, did you work big law or did you go straight into your little private, your uh, little, that is like, that is not the word I meant to use. I must <laughs> use boutique because like, we're not trying to demean the word, but, yeah. but anyway, when did you go straight from like that type of law into your own law firm or what was the segue in between that time period? Yeah. So there was a major segue um, so I worked at that firm straight out of law school, I want to say for about a year and a half, and it was not a fit for several reasons. And I, in, in the area of law, like I didn't love patent law. I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot imagine being a patent attorney my entire life. And, and I kind of knew I wasn't up to snuff for litigation because I'm not... I'm very introverted. <laughs> and I was like, I just cannot be a litigant. I need something transactional. So I um, interviewed and got a, a job with a larger firm because the first firm was more of a boutique firm. And the, the second, the, the firm that I moved to after that, after having practiced for about a year and a half, um, was a big firm, sort of by, I would say by Louisville standards, it might've been the, the biggest firm around. And it was a regional firm. It's been purchased by Denton. So that kind of tells you at this point, like kind of, you know, maybe there were 300, 400 attorneys over maybe eight offices. So a large regional firm at that point. I don't know if it would be considered big law. Now it would be. Um, I moved to that firm because primarily I wanted to do trademark work. And the firm that I worked for before was like, no, we hired you to do patent law. We pay you more to do patent law. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do that. I want to, <laughs> right? Like you, you kind of have to follow, I think your gut also. And so I transitioned to the other firm it was a much better fit. So I was there for about seven years. And that's where I really learned trademark law. Like I've learned not how to have a law practice, but I learned how to prosecute trademarks, right? Like I learned um, all the ins and outs, really where I kind of just cut my teeth with respect to um, trademark law. So I was there for seven years before I started my own practice. What led you to make that decision? Oh, um, the, the thing that really, there were a couple of things that really just were impactful. And it's funny because I noticed it more looking back than when I was in it. Um, the, the first one was, I will never forget. I was, my office was like on the 35th floor. I remember one day looking out the window and seeing all of these people coming out of my building and the Humana building, which was, it's a large, um, insurance company. It, and there were just like hundreds and hundreds of people and it was like five o'clock and I was in my office. I was like, well, I'm probably not going to be out of here for a few more hours. <laughs> you know, that's one, that's one thing. But I just remember thinking, I just don't want to be a member of the herd. 
Like I want to, I want to pave my own path. I want to not be the mercy of what someone else says, right? Like, and it's like, oh, here I am in my office. I'm going to be here longer. You know, I I can't even be with the herd because I can't even leave with the herd, right? Like, what is this? So, you know, I was working crazy hours. Um, I made I made great money, you know, working in a law firm like that. Um, I wasn't really able to. I was able to work remotely a little bit at that point. This was like in 2008, 2009. And that was the other thing that really triggered it. Uh, yes. <laughs> in 2000, yeah. In 2008, I um, saw a lot of my colleagues being just let go. And I honestly, Aaron, I remember freaking out every day. Like I was so nervous. Um, Were you like me? Did you read above the law every single day and then spiral into a panic? <laughs> Yes. I was like refreshed. Like, and then, you I'm know, like, who's I, next? We're next. I'm on the chopping yeah. block, like literally above the law every single day. And then spiral into a panic about when my job was going to yeah. be eliminated. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Latham, let's go. Yeah. You know, a hundred dirt attorneys in their whatever practice, you know? And so the things, so at that point, again, my firm wasn't, it was a large regional firm. It wasn't a national firm, but everything was trickling down, right? So again, there's that, you know, six month delay, but I, there were still lawyers that were let go and there were partners that were let, that were let go. It was very scary and weird. You know, I look back and I was like, well, I, I was fortunate. I was not let go, but it did force me, or I guess kind of not, not actually forced me, but it helped me realize that like, you know, there's no loyalty in a law firm, right? Yep. Sorry, but you yep. know, if you are not, we might love you, you know, but if you're not, it, it, you know, when it comes down to numbers, it's, it can be, it can be objective, but it can also be very political at the same time. But, but I was like, you know, there's, there's no loyalty here. And I also was like, I don't, that corner space doesn't, mean anything to me. Like I have I don't care. I, I was scared because I didn't want to lose my job, right? <laughs> I didn't want to get I didn't want to get let go. But um, you know, at the same time, it did help me really think about what what does work mean? What is working for a big law firm mean? What does my future look like in a big law firm? My calculus at that point was very different because I didn't have children. I wasn't you know, I, I had friends that were having kids and kids that were going to private schools. And that was, <laughs> you know, like you, what's that called? Like the golden handcuffs. Oh, yeah. like, eh, I don't know about that. Like, I don't know if this is something I, I, I'm ready to sign up for, you know, also very free spirited kind of. And my parents own their own business. Business is forever. I've never known them to work for anyone. And so in 2010, I put in my notice and I was like, I am going to, um, I should have brought, brought my laptop as my, as a prop, <laughs> have laptop, we'll practice. Yep. Right. Yep. And, um, they were like, you're crazy. Like, you know, you're leaving six figures, all this stuff. And I was like, well, first of all, I'm solo. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to keep anyone alive by myself, uh, except myself. So I didn't have that factored in. I was also doing it and I was doing, you know, trademark law. And so it's federal based. I, I could take my clients from everywhere. That was the other cool thing. And I knew I could work remotely and start a practice without a very, very low budget, right? Very scrappy. And at this point, like that kind of startup world in California was big. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to start a scrappy law practice and let's, let's see what happens. And that's what I did. I also, you know, I also knew that I could charge clients, um, 
a lot less and make just as much or more money really at the end of the day without the headache. Oh, there's definitely still headache, trust me, <laughs> but you know, the, the law firm um, headache. But you know, what was, what was interesting, Erin, about 20, 2008 to 2010, you know, I saw my law practice getting rid of all like of the, they were cutting back, right? They were trimming the fat. They were, they didn't have like open snacks, right? Like you couldn't just go get a Coke in the refrigerator. Like it's like these little things, like clients are paying for these things, mm-hmm. right? Like this, they're all paying for this. Like they don't need to be paying for, I mean, I know it's all kind of a, the, the fun, the funds are all kind of commingle. Like it doesn't matter, but like at the end of the day, like lawyer, your clients are paying for a certain level of service level of service and kind of like lifestyle for the, 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 the attorneys that work for. Um, and especially at the dollar in which they are charging them per hour, I would say yeah. that the expectation is like, don't nickel and dime me, right? Like that kind <laughs> yeah. of expectation. Yeah. Like if I want a diet Coke, like I shouldn't have to bring that with me, you know, like that kind of mentality. It, it Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I thought about like, how the firm did pretty extravagant client, um, you know, uh, entertainment. And I was like, eh, you know, not, not everyone gets to play when we, when, when we do this, but you know what, you know, they're getting charged the same hour. I don't know. There were just a lot of things that I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go solo. And I did it. I, like I said, I had my laptop and I, I, and I had Cleo. Cleo had just kind of, uh, was on the scene in terms of like, remote docketing. And it really helped me, um, kind of facilitate that. And I would, so, you know, I kind of look at myself as an early adopter of, of tech when it comes to running a law practice. I remember, you know, looking back Aaron, that my firm at that point still use like, um, they didn't use a, a web-based, um, docketing. Uh, it was just weird. Cause I remember if I had to work remotely, like I would have to like you know, email my assistant, you know, make sure this gets docked, <laughs> you know, all it was just archaic. Solo, archaic. Yeah, it was archaic, right. And when you're solo, you know, you know, you kind of know this from owning your own business. It's so much easier to pivot, right? You just say, okay, Aaron, hmm, I think I need a policy change and boom, you do your policy change. You don't like it. And yeah, we're going to go back to the other thing that I was doing in a big law firm or, you know, even in a medium sized firm, you know, things just don't move as quickly. Um, so many layers of, you know, uh, approvals that have to be had, just red tape, um, all of that good stuff. And, and I was just kind of like, no, this is not my style. So. So talk to me about the mindset. Cause that sounds great in practice. Like, okay, I'm going to walk in, I'm going to start my own firm. I'm going to hang my shingle. I'm going to figure this out. I'm super smart or whatever. Right. Like, and we all, That's great and sunny, but talk to me about the reality and the mindset that it's taken to really grow and build this practice. And also just as like a little side note, I heard you mention that your parents are entrepreneurs. So I'm just curious if like that, that mindset really growing up really played forward in this process for you as you were in this entrepreneur space and having to adapt and pivot and learn to embrace imperfection and all that kind of stuff. I'd love for you to take us through a little bit of that mindset. Erin, that's a great question. I think the most important mindset to be able to kind of embrace when you're doing this, and it's something that lawyers are not good at, (laughs) but I've always considered myself an entrepreneur 
or I don't want to say always, but for a long time, I've considered myself an entrepreneur who just happens to be a lawyer. But I think the mindset that you, that's really important is um, the willingness to kind of feel, to, to, to kind of walk through failure, to experience failure, right? Lawyers have not been, um, there's not a safe space for lawyers to fail in, um, especially when they're learning to practice law, right? Like, you know, you miss a period in a letter you write, you're going to get a knock on your door from a partner, right? They're going to, yep. you yep. know how that is, it's right? Not cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not cute. It's, yeah. So, you know, and that's just kind of a minor example. So like, you are just always like, just feeling very, having to feel very on. There's that um, craving towards perfection tendencies, which at the end of the day is, I think, kind of somehow tied to a fear of failure, right? So, I'm, and I'm not exactly sure how all that plays together, but I do think that one of the most important things, you know, if you do think you want to go d- like down the road of like starting your own practice or your own business or whatever, is that you're going to have to be willing to take some risks and embrace failure in a way that doesn't completely crush you and that you take it and you're like, I'm going to learn from this, right? Like if you, if you have a failure and you're going to have a failure when you start something, it's just, it just happens, right? If you start something and it just works smoothly, then that's great, but it's going to be. Well, that, that's in a utopia that we don't live in. So if we somebody finds that place, they can send me a ticket to that later, but the real world, you know, <laughs> the real world does not work that way. Right. But, um, yeah, so the kind of that willingness to to feel failure and to take some risks, um, you can't necessarily be um, risk averse. And I think it, I think it was Elon Musk who did say something something like, if we're not if we're not failing in some respect, like we're not innovating, right? So you you have to be you have to be ready to 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 feel failure, and it sucks. It it can it can. It doesn't feel good, but, you know, in terms of mindset, Aaron, I think the best thing that you can do the first time you screw something up at kind of as a solo or, or whatever, or when you're just trying something new is to say, how can I learn from this, right? This was a learning experience. And just in kind of an example of that, you know, I look back like, cause you know, I started my community, um, legally blissed. And as we talked about before the show, um, the, sh- I put my community on hold over the summer just to, kind of hit the reset button, figure out what direction I want to go in. And, you know, a lot of me is like, oh my gosh, I've invested so much much time, but I have to, you know, if I ultimately close down the community, I could say, well, maybe I just failed, you know, I'm a failure. But I look back and I was like, you know what? I've made some awesome relationships, right? I've made some really cool connections like you, um, Danielle Bass, um, Dana Cataldo. Like there's so many women that I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just made, it's all you know, I could, I could sit here and, and cry about it or whatever, or I could just look back and say, these are the things that I learned. Like I learned how to have a community. I learned how to do uh, all of these different things. And you have to be like kind of willing to do that and have that mindset. You know, if you desire to make that transition out of practicing law into having your own practice or having some other type of business, which so many of us seem to do. Yes. <laughs> and truly, really with anything, I think if, you know, you're craving a change in your life, whether that's professionally or personally, there is going to be uncomfort associated with that because, 
you know, what you are not changing, you're choosing. And if you desire to change, things are going to, you can't keep doing what you're doing, right? So like we have to, and I call it failing forward because it's like, okay, like, but you're still moving. Even though you fell down and you skinned your knee, like you still get up and keep walking and say like, okay, well, like that didn't work, but what did work and what can I do better? And I think, Agreed. That has been the biggest lesson for me as an entrepreneur um, who also happens to be a lawyer who has many of those same mindset challenges that we encounter just based on our years of training and practice and everything that's been seared into her soul over time. You know, it's a lot to unwind, but that is my biggest advice to attorneys that I coach or who, you know, come to me and say, like, I, I, I think I want to change and maybe I want to walk out on my own. It, it's really just learning to embrace that it's not going to be perfect, that you're going to need to ask a lot of questions. You're not going to know all the answers. You're going to fail and mess up, and it's gonna, but it's going to be okay. It's okay. It's never, the only time it's not okay is if you just quit. Right, right. Or you don't take those mistakes as a, as a learning opportunity. So, you know, I've, I've asked myself, does failure, like if you can take what happened as sort of a learning opportunity, does failure even exist? Right. So you could take sort of, and like, again, I'm hesitant to even say the word, right. The, the the challenge, Yeah, (laughs) you can do the challenge and, um, you know, it's really, really kind of about that subjective mindset and uh, whether or not you can turn it into a learning opportunity and look back at, you know, yeah, maybe I did go the wrong way. Like maybe I did pick the wrong direction. Maybe I shouldn't have made that hire. You know, it's a big one. Maybe, maybe I should have hired earlier. Maybe I should not hire, you know, maybe I should, whatever. You know, there's always like these ancillary byproducts, like as you're moving towards your goals. So really the only way you're really screwing up is by not sort of taking the risk to some extent, because it's all, it's, everything's a risk, right? Getting out of bed in the morning is a little risky. I know. I read a Mel Robbins quote the other day and she said, it's like, I don't understand why people are so scared, scared of failure because living your life and not achieving your dreams is so much more painful. Like it hurts so much more to live in regret than to just move forward in failure. You know, like when you think about the push and pull of it that way. Um, But I know you mentioned your Legally Bliss community and I would love for you to chat about that for a minute because I think, you know, the season that you are in right now is very relatable to a lot of us. You know, life ebbs and flows. Um, seasons get busy and you're feeling like things are a priority that, um, that maybe were not once a priority. And there's a lot of, right. Like we go through this guilt and like, oh my gosh, I've done this thing. And now what if I don't do it? Or what if I take a break or what is that going to look like all of these unknowns? Um, but I think it's really important for our listeners to hear that it is okay to pivot and that it is okay to be in a particular season of your life where things make better sense, where you have different priorities and values and knowing and giving yourself grace that everything is temporary. It may not always be like that. You may not always feel like that. And just being okay and giving yourself grace that it's okay and that you don't need to should on yourself. I think if we look out in the world 
and in society and on social media, it's like, you should be freaking killing it every single day of your life. If you're not hitting a home run, then you are screwing it up. If your business isn't making seven figures, what the hell are you doing? You know, all this stuff is just the shooting on us. And it's, it's very unhealthy. And it just also compounds all the mental baggage that we have to deal with too. So that's a long way of, and that's really like a long-winded question, but I would love for you to just talk about a little bit of this transition in your Legally Bliss community, because I think it's really powerful. Yeah, I think that we do have to stop shitting all over ourselves, right? We are constantly doing that. I probably, I, don't, I wonder how many times I've already said that, right, in this conversation. I've probably said that, like, I should, I should have done this, I should have done that. Um, you know, and I think that it takes a, a, a bit of mindfulness for you to just start recognizing that. And when you notice yourself saying should, I should do that, or I shouldn't have done that, to laugh and think and think about mine and Aaron's conversation and us saying, I'm shooting all over myself. Stop, stop, sh-. right? Like that'll help you, I think, um, help that kind of come to mind. But with respect to um, the community, which I started in about 2020, it was kind of like born out of... Um, just my own practice as a female lawyer, my own experiences and how I felt like there needed to be um, community for women who um, are kind of along the same journey. Now, I don't want to under, how do I say this? Like men have challenges too in our, in our legal practice. And that is one of the things I've learned more than any, like I look back like, oh my gosh, like Legally Blessed is a very feminine sounding name for the community and all of my branding was kind of geared towards women, but there's a lot of men who need support too. Absolutely. So if don't forget about them. <laughs> I agree. I've had but, lots of men drop yeah. into my DMs, dads, you know, yeah, who yeah. also want to practice law differently, who are feeling the stresses in a different way. Yeah. So yes, like the dudes are struggling too. So we're yeah. going to give them we, space, you know, yeah. so. they need that. And they may be experiencing it in a lot of ways. I don't know. I mean, I was going to say to some extent, even more than we are, you know, because men create, men crave balance. Like men crave uh, time with their children. And, you know, so it's, yeah, it's, it goes both ways. We both, we both have our, and our it's, just own a different, it's a different set of challenges. I've said that different yeah. times on different podcasts. I really truly think, yeah. you know, all women and men aside, all of the, you know, the noise, white noise, we all have our unique set of challenges that affect us in unique ways. And I think that that it, they don't need to be, you know, swept under the rug in other words. So, but to your point, 100%, you know. 100%. And they've been, men have been some of my biggest cheerleaders. So um, yeah, shout out to the dudes in the house. We love you guys. Um, <laughs> Legally blissed um, was sort of a safe space for women. Um, and I kind of started it as a podcast and then the women who were on the podcast were invited into the community. Um, and you know, it's interesting because I really kind of geared legally bliss. I wanted to gear it towards women who were five years out of law school. Right. Cause I look back, I'm like, Oof, that was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Those law school and the few years out of law school for me were like my most challenging. It just took me a few years to really kind of get into the groove of, of what I was doing. I was probably like a mid-level associate before I really started having some confidence, right? But it was interesting because when, when I built the community um, and I saw my initial invitations, it was very top heavy. They're, you know, 
<laughs> and I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like it was women primarily who were at the top of their game. They, they've been there. They've done that. They are coaches or consultants. Maybe they're not practicing law anymore. So there was a little bit of this disparity with respect to kind of where I originally wanted the community to go to go and where it was. And I kind of woke up one day and I was like, oh my gosh, this is where we are. And it was a little bit of a mistake. There was a little bit of a mistake um, in, in kind of the way that I set it up. And I, I should have, I should have, right? Like here I am saying I should have done, I, I look back, I know there are certain things I should have done. I should have, air quotes here, if you're just listening, I should have done market research um, more so I could really like get into that language of, the, you know, that women were using like kind of that, that group that were right out of law school. And what's so funny about this, Erin, and this kind of goes back to the beginning of our conversation. I forgot that I wasn't 25, right? Like these women could be my child. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, like I am 20 years older than these people. I don't feel like it. I might look like it, but I don't necessarily feel like it. I mentally don't necessarily feel that distance, but it's a different generation. And I was like, you know what? I need to know their language and all of this stuff. So that's why like part of this past uh, late spring, I was like, you know what? I need to put, I need to hit the reset button. I need to put a pause on the community. I hit a major burnout wall. I mean, honey, I woke up one day because I was, I stopped my law practice, of course, and I had the community. I just woke up one day. I was like, I'm exhausted. And my partner was hunting and fishing and skiing. And I was like going to work. And I was like, why am I doing all this? Like, why am I not playing? And I try to preach this, right? It's so funny how we like, we preach certain things about recreation and avoiding burnout and setting boundaries. And, you know, we're not always great, uh, stewards of like what we're preaching. Um, and sometimes we don't realize that until things kind of start, um, it, it, I don't want to say falling apart because things weren't necessarily falling apart. Well, bubbling to the surface, right? Were, like things are bubbling to the surface yeah, and you can't bubbling. ignore anymore feelings that right. push and that pull that internal, yeah. like not feeling aligned. I mean, we know what it feels like to not feel aligned. You know, it's that That's internal really, like yeah. ink. Yes. And, you know, I, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast and you're hanging out with Aaron, you're one of those people that you're thinking, you're, you're questioning alignment, right? You're questioning your values if what you're doing aligns with your values, because that's obviously kind of, I think, what we're going for when it comes to alignment, right? Like what, and, and you mentioned this a minute ago, Aaron, um, about values. I think that's so important to really consistently check in with that because, you know, our values do evolve over time, right? We have babies, we have growing parents, right? We decide we don't want to do a certain job, right? The economy changes. We lose a partner. We gain a partner, right? So like all of our lives are always constantly in flux. And so it is important, I think, to kind of really just check in with your values and make sure that your those decisions that you're making on a daily basis really do align with it because you will start meeting that, that burnout, right? You'll not be able to necessarily have that justification to keep pushing. And um, yeah, I kind of felt like I got really close. I, I don't know if I really officially hit burnout, uh, but I got pretty close. So I think I kind of hopped onto it before it actually happened. And that's when I decided back in this late spring that I was going to put the community um, on hold over the summer because, you know, vacation. 
it's the summer. I want- it's the summer. I've got like a niece and two nephews. I was like, you know what? Auntie needs to be available at a moment's notice um, for these kiddos. And uh, yeah, so that's that's what we ended up doing. I just uh, put the community on hold over the summer. And I was saying earlier, you know, I got hit with the old COVID and was knocked out for <laughs> several weeks. And I don't know when this is going to play, but here we are already, you know, the autumn of 2023. So, you know, Tom flies when you're having a blast. I know. <laughs> well, so what do you feel like? How do you feel about making that decision? And what are some things that you have been doing to pour back into yourself to really feel like you can get like realigned, right? Like what are some self-care things that you've been doing for Susie that have really helped you kind of maybe avoid hitting that actual burnout wall? And how now are you feeling that you like have put the community on hold? I feel really good. I know that I made the right decision. Um, I now like I'm kind of figuring out like how do I want to transition the assets of my community? Um, I shouldn't say my community. It's the community. Um, But they are assets that I created, including like the content, uh, the brand name, all of these things, the podcast. I'm thinking I'll probably continue the podcast at some point to some extent. Um, because it's fun. I get to talk with people like you and uh, just, you know, incredible uh, female lawyers and a few men, because like I said, you know, we need to, we need to let them share their stories as well. Um, In terms of self-care. So this summer I was really, really good about only working a few hours a day, like really good. I was like four hours in front of a computer per day, max. Mm, I, and that's the thing. I want people to really think about this, like how this 40 hour week work week is, it's kind of BS. It is like man-made um, with technology now, technology now, you can probably get what you need to get done in a fraction of the time. Um, and I just remember having this experience, you know, looking back when I was in a law firm, like, oh, it's been a couple hours a day. Someone's coming into my office, you know, t- wanting to talk and now I would be better about setting boundaries, <laughs> right? But it was, I remember just looking back like, oh my gosh, you know, because I was friendly to people and they would come in and, Yeah, you know. but it's a waste of time. Like you're <laughs> at the office for 10 hours, but again, you only needed to be there like literally four, three, like that's how four. much work you had to yeah. do, you know? So it's, you're right. Then, like technology is able to shorten that. And so that's a great boundary to set. So don't think that, you have to work eight hours a day if you can get what you need to get done in, in you know, in, in four hours. Technology really helps us do that. And, um, you know, you can, if you tell yourself, if you kind of time block and you say, I'm going to get this, I don't know, I'm going to write this, I'm going to draft this complaint. It's going to take me two hours. If, or if you say it's going to take me four hours, it'll take you four hours to do it. But if you say, you know what, the sun's shining, I'm going to get this done in two hours. I could just about guarantee you'll get it done in two hours. It's this, this little thing called Parkinson's, Parkinson's law. Um, it's you, you will complete um, something in the time that you allot yourself. So I've really kind of been a advocate for just, I've really leaned into Parkinson's law when it comes to, to my work uh, and pretty putting fairly kind of strict boundaries on the number of hours that I work every week. Um, the other thing too, Aaron, I only have a couple of days a week that I put my face on. 
same. You know what I mean? And get kind of dressed up for things. Like I kind of time block my appointments. Like day, like I will have days that are my call, like the days that I do my calls. Right. So I'm kind of, that's another thing I think is really kind of good in terms of time management that I've learned is what's it called? Like block, like chunk your time, Mm -hmm. right? Like, or do similar tasks at once. If you're a trademark lawyer, for example, hello to my fellow trademark lawyers out there, work on your section 815 affidavit reminders every Monday for the next month. You're probably like, what is she even talking about? If you're a trademark lawyer, you know what I'm talking about. My point is, if you're working on something, if you can kind of work on that same task, kind of across your, maybe your clients, it's just anytime you're having to switch um, to a different type of task, you lose you lose some efficiencies, right? You, there's that transition period into, into doing something else. You know how, like, if you get, get distracted by social media, you know, pick one, it's that much harder to get back into your, the groove of doing your work. Um, the other thing I use, um, Aaron is something called, it's called Llama, L-L-A-M-A Life. And it's like a Pomodoro timer. And I'm pretty, rigid with that. And I focus really hardcore for 25 minutes on stuff. And then I take a five minute break and get back to it. So there's a lot of different types of platforms like that, that help you focus. It's a, it's really good for people who kind of have a harder time focusing or might, might, or might, might be wanting to go to check Twitter or X or whatever it is now. But um, yeah, so those are kind of some, some suggestions and, you know, kind of going back to what we talked about at the very beginning of the conversation just getting outside this summer has been really, really helpful. We've got to get, we got to get away from the computers. Like, and here we are, right? But you know, you got to, you got to do things. Um, but I think that it's so important for us to get more time um, in nature. It's so, it's so healthy for us uh, physically and mentally. And like you, like you mentioned, it sparks creativity. And even if you think like oh my gosh, I need to be in my office, you know, pounding away on some type of work for a client, you know, maybe you need to go for a 25 minute walk. Yeah. (laughs) And you could be just as like, quote unquote, productive because it can just really clear your head. And, you know, I don't know if anyone's going to take that advice, but I really, really hope they do. I really hope they do too, because we need to use all five of our senses and That's when, such a great. You know, I've that. started, yeah. and it's it's little stuff that you can do for yourself. Go take a client if you're working from home that day. Put in your earbuds and go sit on your porch and take that client call with your notebook, right? Like take your laptop and just go sit outside on your back porch, or like you said, go take a walk. Take off your shoes. Put your feet in the grass. Like smell the air and the leaves and the trees and the the outside. Like we're not using all five of our senses every single day, and we, our minds are so busy as attorneys. We've got so many things going on that it's, it's that break of the pattern that allows us to really tap into creativity. You'll get a great idea. I mean, you may be sitting out there with a client and just have something drop right in that wouldn't have done if you're just in that, the four corners of your office, your home, you know, wherever you may be working. So I think those are outstanding suggestions and I will second you on multitasking doesn't work. So (laughs) it does not. No, it is so overrated. And I don't know who came up with this, like multitasking being a good thing thing. It's just, it's yeah. You know, some people pride themselves on that. And I remember this, you know, 
10, 15 years ago, I can multitask. I can carry my baby and I can talk on the phone. I can cook dinner and all this stuff is like, no, like when you're with your baby or your family, like focus on your baby, you know, when you're cooking dinner, like focus on cooking your dinner or listen to an audio book. If you, if you got to do two things, right. right? Uh, and when you're at work, focus on your work. And then when you're done with it, leave it. Try not to, I cheat occasionally, but you know, can, can you set some type of boundaries about checking your email after a certain amount of time in the evening? Um, I've gotten to where it's slow. I remember looking back and saying, I will not check my email past eight o'clock. And now I'm like, I balk at that. I was like, I don't check my email after I leave the office unless like there's something I'm really just impatient about, or I kind of forget. But like, after I leave the office, I tried really hard to really, really mentally disconnect from my work. And at the end of the day, I think it makes me better when I sit down to do work because I'm not, I'm not muddling everything. Right. Um, one other thing, Aaron, I think that's kind of been helpful for me is, and I do want to mention this is, you know, if you have a partner, um, I think it's challenging as a lawyer to have a partner who's not, who's not a lawyer, but maybe, I don't know. It could be even more challenging if they are also a lawyer. I don't know. My, I my husband's a lawyer and I was telling him last oh, night that it? it was like, it's been such a gift for him to be a lawyer yeah. because he yeah. like, he fundamentally understands what I'm trying to do sure. and who I'm trying to impact. So it has been like amazing. Um, but I can understand we've also, our communication skills leave a little to be challenged. <laughs> so we'll say that or like, or a little, like little to be desired or whatever the thing yeah. is. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it can, I guess it could, it could really go both ways. And um, one thing that I've really tried to focus on yeah, over the last summer, like this summer is like spending time with my partner in the morning, right? Like when he has coffee in the morning and we're, you know, getting up and kind of getting ready for our day, like just sit down and talk with him for half an hour. Um, I think that that, or, you know, like rather than getting up, running out the door and be like, see you when I see you. Right. Like, but just sit down and just like have that connection with the people that are important to you. It doesn't matter if it's your partner, if your children or whatever, you know, whatever, like just kind of connect with what is important to you. And maybe, maybe this, maybe the lesson here is not, doesn't have to be another person. Maybe it's just connecting for 30 minutes with, you know, meditation or reading the Bible or whatever your, you know, whatever it, it is that, that kind of grounds you and connects you. Maybe it's, maybe it's going for a morning walk, right? So it can be all different things, but I think having that in the morning is really important. It really like kind of sets the foundation for your day. And I look, I look back over all, all of these, all of these years and those mornings are really special versus hopping out of bed, you know, throwing my makeup and clothes on and, rushing out the door. It is just really nice to get up and try to connect. If you are, if you have your own practice, you can do that. And if you're working with a firm, you might be a little more, uh, what's the word, like kind of restricted in like, like you get, might have to be there at a certain point or a certain time in the morning. My advice would be to wake up a little earlier, <laughs> you know, go to bed a little earlier. For sure. And I think what I take from you and all of that is just the intentionality is, is what we need to do. It's deciding what makes us feel good and then being intentional about taking the time to make that happen and then filling your cup that way. Like, I think that is such great advice. Okay. Well, before we sign off, because this has been an amazing conversation, I just really think it's been 
so great for people to be able to just hear a little bit about your journey and and just to know that it's okay, like in the midst of this pivot, like we're, you're still showing up for yourself and winning the day. And that's what I want people to understand. It's just even when things feel like you're in this weird transition period, you can still be winning and moving forward towards your goals if you're intentional about your time, your thoughts, your energy, and what you're doing with it. But thank you so much for sharing and being vulnerable and talking to us about the community and that transition and all that kind of stuff. But let's do something fun before I let you go. My new fun segment called Legally Blonde. Um, And I was telling you a little bit about this before we started, and I am obsessed with just starting to laugh. Like, I just think there is so much freaking seriousness and like noise in the world and the universe. And we're just like, Everyone is so freaking serious and offended and like everything. I'm just like, bah! can we not just laugh? Can we not just. I'm offended by laughter. God, <laughs> can we just not take ourselves so seriously? And I especially think that high achieving women have a really hard time just not taking ourselves so seriously because it's like, oh my gosh, now I'm embarrassed that like I didn't like walk the straight line. So we're going to be legally blonde and I've told all kinds of funny stories and I asked my guests to do the same. So I would love if you would share a fun legally blonde moment with our listeners. I'm sure I have many, but I, this one's kind of on the top of my mind because for some reason I was thinking about it the other day. I was, um, this was back when I'd walked to work and I lived um, in Louisville and I, I lived downtown. I worked downtown and, you know, so I remember this, this, I would wear my stilettos like every day. And I remember this lady attorney was like, why don't you wear tennis shoes and train into your stilettos when you get into the office? I'm like, no, like I'd rather wear my stilettos on the street. And then get like, anyway, it was kind of besides the point. But anyway, I was a big fan of having my, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker's Parker stilettos. This was important to me. So I remember one day I was walking down the street. So again, this was like 20 years ago. So, you know. I was walking and this guy kind of pulls up in this car next to me and he's like, Hey, you know, I could tell he was kind of like checking me out and I was feeling pretty good. And I looked over, I kind of like, was like, Hey, you know, and I started walking and I kind of fell. Like I tripped on the sidewalk. (laughs) I was absolutely mortified. I was so embarrassed. He started laughing and like just jets off. And I was like, well, he was a loser anyway, right? So totally stupid story, but it kind of reminded me of like just doing something completely stupid. Well, and, I mean, and here's the thing, like those heels were very important in my young lawyer days too. Like that is, and that is what I spent money on because you had to find yep. comfortable ones because you were up in those things. And second, you wanted them to look freaking hot and good. And so, but then there are those little cracks in the sidewalk where you get that little tiny heel stuck and yep. believe yep. I have got actual footage of me like walking out. What is the, the nest cam or whatever on your front door? Like, yeah, yeah. I may have to share that with our listeners one day of yeah. me like just chit chatting and falling flat out down. Like there was an attack and the mail, the Amazon man just kept walking. Like, I mean, oh, that, that, no okay. resistance. so don't worry. You're Amazon in good you. Awesome. You're in good company. Okay, Susie. Well, before I let you let you go officially, where can people find you? Um, if they need help with their, their trademarks, um, if they just want to be a part of your circle and just say hello, um, reach out with any feedback from the podcast, how can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, X or my website and they're all suzyhickson.com and my name is right S-U-Z-I-H-I-X-O-N. Awesome. So reach out anytime. <laughs> Love it. 
Susie. Thank you for having me. Yes. Oh my gosh. You're such a joy. I just simply adore you. I wish we lived closer so we could like literally hang out and do this in person. Um, But I here cheering for you, supporting you. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been so much fun. It was so good to see you and hang out, Erin. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening into the Powerhouse Lawyers podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you catch your podcasts. If you loved this episode, I would be so honored if you left a review. And because I know you are the type of woman who wants to see other women win, be sure to share this episode with someone who needs it. By sharing it, you are empowering a fellow sister in the law to know that she is not alone, that there is nothing wrong with her, and that she can build a life and career that she loves. Thank you. See you next week.